the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at some of the headline news. We'll take a look at the lighter side of the news this first hour. And in our second hour, we'll feature this week's Christian Outlook, featuring Tim Throckmorton of the Family Research Council. He's going to offer some advice uh, to religious schools and nonprofits to pay very close attention to the Respect for Marriage Act and the impact it's likely to have on your efforts. We'll hear from Rob Bluey of the Heritage Foundation. He's going to look at the Respect of Marriage, uh, Respect for Marriage Act and how the bill, contrary to its name, does very little to strengthen one man, one woman marriage. And Dr. Albert Moeller will highlight the arguments undergirding the Respect for Marriage Act that advocates really don't and can't believe. We'll give him an opportunity to explain what he means by that in the second hour of today's program, this week's Christian Outlook. Well, grassroots movements of Americans seeking a political divorce from fellow citizens have recently gained traction with some deepening cultural rifts, according to multiple figures involved in the secessionist organizations uh, who spoke um, recently on Fox News. The movements have emerged in every region of the U.S. and uh, vary in their goals. Some aim to uh, for entire states to leave the union to form a new country, while others endeavor more simply that rural red counties secede from the dominating blue urban centers to form new states, all agree that disagreements with their political opponents have grown intractable. We are at a point, I think, where America is not necessarily in the balance, but the institution known as the United States is in the balance. That's a quote from Daniel Miller. He's the president of the Texas, Texas nationalist movement. Miller's organization endeavors to see Texas Texas leave the Union and revert to the sovereign republic it was in 1836 when it broke from Mexico until it was annexed by the United States in 1845. He goes on to say people are beginning to ask themselves this question. Is their state um, already a self-governing independent nation knowing everything they know about the federal government? Would they vote to join the Union today? And I think many people are coming to the conclusion that the federal government is not really fit for purpose there is a better way. We'll continue to follow that um, that story. And, of course, there's an effort here in the state of Oregon as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, adding fuel to a fire, the White House is uh, being pressed uh, on uh, whether or not the so-called non-binary official charged with felony is still on the payroll after an alleged airport heist. Well, the Biden administration refused to say whether a top official overseeing nuclear waste policy continues receiving government pay after being charged with theft. While the Department of Energy has confirmed that Samuel Brenton, uh, who was named Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition over the summer, was placed on leave. The agency has yet to say whether uh, he is still on its payroll. In October, Brenton was charged with stealing a suitcase worth $2,325 from a baggage carousel at the Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. In the culture war, Florida is reportedly poised to reverse punishment on Disney. 
and on useful porn literacy and executive director of a Planned Parenthood sex education arm claim that children are born sexual while simultaneously advocating for comprehensive sexual education from kindergarten through 12th grade and porn literacy for certain ages as well. Bill Tavener who's advocated for sexuality education at U.S. congressional briefings, is the executive director of Planned Parenthood Center for Sex Education, located in New Jersey. The center provides training materials nationally and hosts the largest conference for sex educators in the U.S. In 2015, he said, Really, we are all sexual beings from birth until death. Therefore, the exploitation of children shouldn't be considered all that big a deal. All falls down. Elon Musk suspend, uh, suspended Kanye West's Twitter account over anti-Semitism and has said tonight at 5 p.m. he's going to disclose how Twitter in the past has, in fact, uh, interfered in U.S. elections. On upper crustaceans, celebrities and lawmakers ate lavish lobster at the White House dinner, along with Hunter Biden on the taxpayer's dime. It's not all that unusual, but the fact that he was there certainly made headlines. Missing money. Elise Stefanik says U.S. Postal Service workers stole donor checks worth $20,000. And a significant win for the feds. A fed, uh, federal appeals court halted the special master review and a setback for former President Donald Trump's legal team. The Department of Justice can begin and probably has begun their investigation. Taxpayer burden. The Colorado GOP on Wednesday called on Democrat Adam Frisch to withdraw from the race against Republican Representative Lauren Boebert and save taxpayers money in a recount. The statement came hours before Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold ordered a mandatory recount in the state's third congressional district. Per state law, a mandatory recount is triggered when the margin of voters between the top two candidates is at or below 0.5 percent or the leading candidates vote Total slay what? Well, Gen Z parents are refusing to talk about Santa to their kids. Apparently, this is a big deal in cost cutting moves. HLN, which is a CNN sister network, formerly known as Headline News, will terminate all live programming as part of CNN's ongoing layoffs and budget cuts. CNN's cost cutting efforts mark the end of HLN's live programming, such as Morning Express with Robin Mead. HLN is expected to air a simulcast of CNN's Don Lemon centered morning show in its place. Endangering millions, taxpayer-funded outlet NPR rounded up the opinion of human rights advocates to alarm readers that Twitter, under Elon Musk's ownership, could exacerbate political, ethnic, and religious conflicts around the world. NPR's piece is the latest in a long line of media hit pieces, finding danger in the Tesla CEO's handling of the social media platform. Lashing out, former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki ripped a Herschel Walker ad standing up for female athletes as attacking transgender people. So if you support women athlete uh, in athletics, you're attacking another group. Laura Ingram says there is a movement that's actively lobbying for the end of the human race. She broke down the human extinction movement, a growing environmental group that believes humans should halt reproduction to save the planet. Cold winter ahead. A coal representative is warning President Biden's policies are putting Americans at risk for blackouts. And in labor concerns, layoffs mount as job markets get murky. The Senate approved the rail strike deal, sending the bill to President Biden's desk. The Senate passed the legislation yesterday to avoid an economically catastrophic rail strike. One day after the House approved the measure, it now goes to President Joe Biden, who said he will sign the bill into law.
The California Reparations Committee recommends doling out $223,200 in slave dis- or to slave descendants. A reparations committee in California has suggested that descendants of slaves in the state could be compensated $223,200 each for housing discrimination. The nine-member reparations task force was formed by California Governor Gavin Newsom as part of the uh, country's largest ever effort to address reparations for slavery. A focus of the California task force has been housing discrimination. It's been estimated that it would cost around $569 billion to compensate the 2.5 million black Californians for setbacks between 33 and 77. That's more than California's $512.8 billion expenditure in 2021, which included funding schools, hospitals, universities, highways, policing and corrections. It has until June of 23 to submit its final recommendations to the legislature. President Biden's student loan program has been put on pause while the Supreme Court hears the legal challenge. They're expected to hear that um, later uh, next year in February. Mitch McConnell called out Democrats hypocrisy in a pointed floor remark. The Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell broadsided his Democrat House counterpart Thursday, painting Representative Hakeem Jeffries as an election denier for previously questioning former Donald Trump's 2016 win amid claims of Russian interference, which have since been discredited. 303 Creative will fight for the First Amendment before the Supreme Court on Monday. This case carries massive First Amendment implications. Most significant case uh, we have had in years. Alliance Defending Freedom, Lori Smith said it's an artist who runs her own design studio, 303 Creative. She specializes in graphic and website design, loves to visually convey messages in every site she creates. She was excited to expand her portfolio to create websites that celebrate marriage between a man and a woman, but Colorado made clear she's not welcome in that space. A Colorado law is censoring what Lori wants to say and requiring her to create designs that violate her beliefs about marriage. In July of last year, this Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit ruled against Lori story holding that Colorado can force her to create websites promoting messages that contradict her beliefs about marriage. And the EU is seeking to cap the Russian oil price at $60, but Poland is holding out. The executive body of the European Union has asked its 27 member countries to cap the price of Russian oil at $60. Officials and diplomats involved in the discussion say, well, the plan using the clout of the EU's insurance and shipping industries is part of the West's effort to Uh, crimp Moscow's ability to wage war in Ukraine while keeping global crude prices steady. But whether that plan can go forward hinges on a response from Poland. All 27 EU countries need to sign off on the proposal for it to move forward as planned on Monday. No other bloc member raised an objection to the plan on Thursday. Poland asked for extra time to consider it. Polish and other EU officials said we added a decision wouldn't come before Friday. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, the Friday edition. Coming up in our next couple of segments, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And in the five o'clock hour, we'll feature this week's Christian Outlook focusing primarily on the Respect for Marriage Act passed earlier this week by the Senate and headed to the president's desk where he says he will sign it.
Well, the appeals court ruled the special master appointed to review President uh, Trump's documents is improper. An appeals court ruled that the appointment of the special master after the search of former President uh, Trump's Florida home was improper, removing a hurdle. The Justice Department said had delayed its criminal investigation into the retention of top secret government information. The ruling now clears the way for them to at least... um, uh, 22,000 pages as part of their investigation, the entire tranche of documents seized during the FBI raid in August on Trump's Florida residence. President Biden says he's willing to meet with Putin to end the war against Ukraine under certain circumstances. Standing beside the French leader who has championed the need for dialogue with Moscow, President Biden said that he would talk to President Vladimir Putin, but only in consultation with NATO allies and only if the Russian leader indicated he was looking for a way to end the war. Mr. Biden's public expression of conditioned willingness to reach out to Mr. Putin gratified French officials and provided unexpected support for President Emmanuel Macron's outreach. Mr. Biden noted that Mr. Putin has shown no interest yet in ending his invasion, but said that it um, uh, if that changed, I'd be happy to sit down with Putin to see what he has in mind, end quote. India is on pace to become the world's third largest economy. India is set to overtake Japan and Germany to become the world's third largest economy, according to S&P Global and Morgan Stanley. S&P's forecast is based on the projection that India's annual nominal gross domestic product growth will average 6.3% through 2030. Similarly, Morgan Stanley estimated that India's GDP is likely to be to more than double from the current levels in 20 uh, by 2031. The country post at a record 20.1% year-on-year growth in the three months to June of 2021. Well, Oakland has approved a measure giving adults $100 for donating to political campaigns. So the state gives the donor $100. The donor gives it to a political campaign. Oakland, California passed a measure that gives residents taxpayer-funded democracy dollars to donate to political campaigns in a bid to increase voter turnout and to broaden campaign opportunities to candidates who lack deep financial resources. Characterized by the San Francisco Chronicle this week as an under-the-radar measure, the bill was supported by 74% of voters in the November 8th election. The Fair Elections Act, placed on the ballot by Measure W, requires the city to send adult residents, including non-U.S. citizens who hold green cards, four $25 vouchers every two years to be donated to local political campaigns. The measure will be funded by the city's general fund, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, and will total about $4 million per election cycle. Well, Team Biden is blaming you for inflation. November saw 263,000 jobs added, maintaining a steady yet moderate rate of growth. The headline unemployment rate stayed the same at 3.7 percent, even as a number of big tech companies have started laying off and hiring uh, freezes. Well, the total um, employment numbers still sits at roughly one million below pre-pandemic levels. Meanwhile, with the inflation remaining stubbornly high, the Federal Reserve is planning another interest rate hike. Speaking of inflation, Joe Biden's Treasury Secretary Janet uh, Yellen blamed 40 high inflation uh, on Americans spending too excessively. She asserted that Americans were in their homes for a year or more thanks to the lockdown on the economy and they want to buy grills and office furniture. They were working from home. They uh, suddenly started splurging on goods, buying technology, which she then claimed creates bottleneck in the supply chain. So again, inflation, your fault on Thursday, CNN CEO, Chris Licht 
uh, has followed through on his earlier statement that the left media outlet would soon begin a round of staff layoffs. In an email a day earlier, Licht had uh, alerted employees that some would soon be handed their work walking papers of the staff release. The most high profile name was that of political commentator Chris Solis. Uh, who blamed Donald Trump for the uh, drastic drop in the number of Republicans who trust the mainstream media. It is ironic that Saliza uh, finds himself on the outs as Licht has expressed his wants to pull CNN back from the back to the center and focus more on hard news. Republicans love airmarks again. Thanks to Joe Biden and the Democrats' massive spending over the last two years, Americans are struggling with sky-high inflation that shows little indication of coming down anytime soon. Given this reality, one would think that Republicans would have just barely gained control of the House after campaigning against Biden's excessive spending, would be eager to put the brakes on more outlays. Unfortunately, those who gain the power, the power of the purse, are loath to close that purse too tightly. Case in point, House Republicans voted 158 to 52 against banning airmarks. One of the biggest sources of government pork, airmarks were banned by Tea Party-led Republicans back in 2011 when they took control of the House. Of course, after Democrats gained control of the House in 2018, the ban was lifted. Evidently, many Republicans never really wanted airmarks eliminated in the first place. One of the 52 Republicans to vote for the ban warned his colleagues, history is screaming this warning at us. Nations that bankrupt themselves aren't around very long. The U.S. Supreme Court leaves Biden's student loan forgiveness on hold, agreeing to hear the case. GOP senators plan to withhold support for defense funding until they get a vote to end the military's vaccination mandate and manufacturing activity um, contracts rather contracts for the first time in two years. An appeals court says that feds can keep all the records seized in the Mar-a-Lago raid. U.S. air marshals plot mutiny against President Biden's plan to leave flights unprotected. And President Biden's hosted French President Emmanuel Macron for a lobster state dinner. Kanye West says he likes Hitler in an interview with Alex Jones. And his deal to buy a parlor is off by mutual decision. Florida pulled $2 billion from BlackRock and the largest anti-ESG divestment. And we've learned that teenage brains aged faster during the pandemic from stress and anxiety. Well, on this day in history, 1823, President James Monroe outlines his doctrine opposing European expansion in the Western Hemisphere. 1859, militant abolitionist John Brown is hanged for his raid on Harper's Ferry the previous October. 1927, Ford Motor Company unveils its Model A automobile that replaces its Model T. 1939, New York Municipal Airport LaGuardia Field, later LaGuardia Airport, goes into operation as an airliner from Chicago, lands at one minute past midnight. 1942, an artificially created self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction is demonstrated for the first time at the University of Chicago. 1954, the U.S. Senate passes 67 to 22, a resolution, a resolution rather condemning Senator Joseph McCarthy from Wisconsin, saying he had acted contrary to senatorial ethics and tended to bring the Senate into dishonor and disrepute. 1957, the shipping port atomic power station in Pennsylvania, the first full-scale commercial nuclear facility in the U.S., begins operations. The reactor would cease operating in 1982. 1970, the newly created Environmental Protection Agency opens its doors under its first director, William Ruckelshaus. 
1982, in the first operation of its kind, doctors at the University of Utah Medical Center implant a permanent artificial heart in the chest of a retired dentist, Dr. Barney Clark, who would live 112 days with the device. 2001, in one of the largest corporate bankruptcies in U.S. history, Enron files for Chapter 11 protection. And finally, on this day in history, 2015, a couple loyal to Islamic State opens fire at a holiday banquet for public employees in San Bernardino, California, killing 14 people and wounding 21 uh, before dying in a shootout with police. Well, coming up, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blend will join me for that. And then in the five o'clock hour, we'll share this week's Christian Outlook. And the subject will uh, center on the Respect for Marriage Act. Why all the concern? What does it mean and what might it mean for organizations with a Christian worldview? That's coming up in our second hour. Also want to remind you that this is the final weekend of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree with a performance tonight at 7 and two performances on Saturday and Sunday at 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock p.m. respectively. So you can go to kpdq.com to purchase your tickets and join us for the 60th anniversary celebration of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. Again, when we return, the lighter side of the news with James Blend. I'm Georgine Rice and we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news to help me do that. James Blend will join me. He's also engineering half of today's program. Yo, James. How goes it? It's going all right. Nice. Kind of a big day. The singing Christmas tree resumes this evening. I heartily recommend it. Yeah, I, I'm looking for. Yeah, you were there uh, last weekend. Yep. Matinee on Sunday. Uh, no, a nighttime show on Saturday. Nighttime, yes. I remember it well. <laughs> anyway. Clearly, I made an impact. My presence <laughs> made an impact. Clearly, it did. Uh, anyway, this is the last weekend of the Singing Christmas Tree. I'm going to be hopping on a plane on Monday morning and flying to Klamath Falls. I've been invited uh, by Katie Harmon, the former Miss America and former Miss Oregon, uh, to participate in the Klamath Falls Singing Christmas Tree. So I'm going to be in Klamath Falls. I'll be traveling on Monday uh, we'll be doing some rehearsing and things during the day on Tuesday, but I'll be back online on the program on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday from Klamath Falls. So look forward to a great time there. I haven't been in Klamath Falls in many, many years, I think since my childhood. So exploring the community, trying to do the show from there and do a singing Christmas tree as well. It's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, Miss America and um my daughter was watching the uh, Thanksgiving parade on uh, from Macy's on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which is typically the day you watch it. Uh, but um, the uh, Miss America, current Miss America, was in there and uh, at uh, the singing Christmas tree. Um, Who happens to be the daughter of our general manager Dennis? I was going to say Miss Oregon, the former Miss Oregon, was there. Who happens to be the man, you know the daughter of our general manager? And when Verity met Abigail. Oh my goodness! She went starstruck. It was so cute. Yeah, uh, and it's like you know. Now keep in mind, I've you know the, the all the Hayes children. You know they've basically grown up around us, mm-hmm. and so it you know. I, and I don't think anything. Oh, that's just what they're doing, and it's cool. But yeah, my daughter was just absolutely starstruck. Uh, <laughs> it, she was swooning. Was she wearing the crown? Uh, no, she was not wearing the crown because. Uh, I, I don't think she, I don't know if she can anymore because she's no longer Miss Oregon. Oh, that's right. They've already selected 
the, the this new year's. Missouri, yeah. yeah, yeah. She handed off the crown a month ago or something like that. Yeah. I think. Well, that's very sweet. It was cute. It yeah. was yeah, it was sweet and cute. Yeah. Well, uh, we are hearing a lot about the state dinner hosted by the Bidens earlier. Uh, I guess it was this week, yesterday, maybe last night. Uh, I thought this was rather interesting. A long forgotten and somewhat unsettling statue of Mickey Mouse with giant lobster claws for hands has found its way back to Boston. It's a 700 pound statue. It was last seen in the city nearly two decades ago at Quincy Market, where it entertained tourists and shoppers before slipping out of sight and into city lore after it was sold in 2005 at an auction organized by Disney. Well, in the interim, references to the six-foot-tall Lobster Mickey, that's L-O-B-S-T-A Mickey, appeared on um, Atlas Obscura. It's a website for oddball landmarks and in a Zippy the Pinhead comic strip from 2019. Well, still, the statue itself, one of 75 Mickey Mouse-inspired sculptures commissioned by Disney for the cartoon character's 75th anniversary, remained elusive. Well, that's until Dion Point, a creative director for the Boston Sneaker Store Concepts, became fixated on tracking down the creation. Concepts collaborates with Nike on a line that uh, a line of lobster-themed sneakers. Why I couldn't tell you. Well, Point told the Boston Globe, Globe rather, that he spent five years following online threads before finally spotting an, a, a listing for the mouse crustacean relic on eBay. Well, the statue had found its way to a New Jersey lawn, but it was in need of some repairs. It was discolored, split in sections, and uh, its concrete foundation had begun to crumble. Well, Point hired a local artist to refurbish and repaint it, and the day before Halloween, Lobster Mickey made its second public debut in the city when it was set up at uh, Concepts um, showroom floor. So a six-foot Lobster Mickey statue. You know, it's funny. I was I saw the picture of this earlier in the week, and uh-huh. my first thought was, "Oh my goodness, Disney must have sued somebody." And then <laughs> well, I read on that. further that they themselves commissioned it. Yeah, that and several other odd Mickey Mouse statues. I, I, it's it's yeah, it is disturbing. It's definitely disturbing. That's one Mickey you don't want to shake hands with. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, you know, the World Cups uh, is going on right now. and what, what, uh, What's that? <laughs> in fact, there was a field of fury earlier today. Some soccer players chased down referees. They got physical after a team was eliminated from the World Cup. But that's just the main event. On the side stage, there are other things going on as well. Uh, like all good pageant contestants, um, I think the, the um, name is Naza, uh, displayed not only dazzling beauty, but also poise and grace. Uh, she batted her eyelashes, flashed a toothy smile for the television cameras at the um, Mazayan World Cup. It's a pageant held in the Guattari Desert, about 15 miles away from Doha and the Soccer World Cup. Well, Neza's Mind You is a camel. Think Westminster Dog Show crossed with the Miss America pageant, except for, well, camels. Well, Naza is a um, majestic, light-haired creature that overcame several preliminary rounds and hundreds of other camels to win the pageant at Gutter Camel Mazayan Club on Friday. The event, which was designed to bring cultural awareness to World Cup visitors, was sponsored by the Ministry of Sports and Youth in conjunction with the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy. 
the local World Cup uh, organizing committee. So a uh, camel pageant featuring the best and the brightest. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess once you get halfway through the contest, you're over the hump. I don't know. Yeah, uh, there, there's there's not much you could say about that. Although I wouldn't mind if you combined the two events. I think I'd actually better be entertained by camels attempting to play soccer. <laughs> well, they might make more goals than the average soccer game. Yes. Uh, the, I, you know, it, I don't follow it. But, you know, when there's a zero zero tie, you hear about it. And I just go, why did anybody bother turning up? Yeah. Could have had the same result. Let's see. Um there are all kinds of reasons to celebrate all kinds of things. Maybe it's a camel and whether or not they're poised and gracious. Well, thousands of monkeys were celebrated. It's the feast day in central Thailand and it's bananas. Lapburi, Thailand, a meal fit for monkeys was served on Sunday at the annual Monkey Feast Festival in central Thailand. Amid the morning traffic, rows of monkey statues holding trays were lined up outside the compound of ancient three pagodas. While volunteers prepared food across the uh, the road for real monkeys, the symbol of Lapbura province around 150 kilometers near Bangkok. Well, throngs of um, these monkeys ran around at times fighting with each other while the crowds of visitors and locals grew. As the carefully prepared feast was brought toward the temple, the ravenous creatures began to pounce and were soon devouring the large vegetarian spread. And while the entertainment value of the festival is high, organizers are quick to point out that it's not just monkey business. This Monkey Feast Festival is a successful event that helps promote Lapburi's tourism among the international tourists every year. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a country where there are monkeys that are just running freely. They can be very frightening, very aggressive, and very dangerous. They've stolen children. They will steal your camera, your food. Uh, you have to keep an eye on on these monkeys. They they get used to being around people, and they uh, are very aggressive. I'm not sure I'd want to be at this thing. No, it doesn't sound like something I'd enjoy. I've never been to a country like that, as it do- typically doesn't happen here in the U.S. or Canada. But um, yeah, that does seem like something that you know. It's, I've been places where you have to hold on to your stuff to make oh, sure absolutely. it doesn't get stolen, but not by monkeys. Well, that's true. Monkeys of a different kind, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a little bit scary. They can be um, very aggressive and they will hurt you. I'll leave it at that. Well, the humble baguette, the crunchy ambassador for French baking around the world, is being added to the U.N. list of intangible cultural heritage as a cherished tradition to be preserved by humanity. Apparently, the U.N. doesn't have more important things to do. UNESCO experts gathered in Morocco this week, deciding that the simple French flute made only of flour, water, salt and yeast deserved United Nations recognition after France's cultural ministry warned of a continuous decline in the number of traditional bakeries, with some 400 closing every year over the past half century. The U.N. Cultural Agency's chief said the decision honors more than just bread. It recognizes the savoir faire of artisanal bakers and a daily ritual. It's important that such craft knowledge and social practice can continue to exist in the future, the former French culture minister said. Well, the agency defines intangible cultural heritage as traditions or living expressions inherited from one ancestor to another and passed down to their descendants. So there you have it. The lowly baguette has been elevated to um, cultural, intangible cultural heritage status by the U.N., 
You know, you, you mentioned how, you know, that they don't uh, have better things to do. But, uh, I mean, let's let's think about this and be honest for a second. We can think about it through the break, in fact. Um, isn't this kind of the thing we'd rather they do more of? Because that means they can't interfere in world affairs. <laughs> well, there is just, that. Just saying. It's something to, to I'm, ponder. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm okay with it. If, if they... If they decide to switch over to this kind of thing, I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> hey, we need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend has joined me, and we're just working our way through some of the lighter side of the news. I don't know if you've ever, and I probably know the answer to this, James, but I don't know if you've ever prepared a Christmas meal for a family or an extended family, but it is quite an undertaking. I have I done have, it, and it is, yeah. You you have done it. Yes. You yourself. Uh, yes. With a strong assist from my wife, but yeah, we, we did. Now, is that how she would describe it, a strong assist by your wife? Um, actually, probably, yeah. I don't have to call her after this. I, this is shocking to me. Just don't ask her about the garlic mashed. Okay. Well, there's one woman who um, said, you know, it's a lot of work. I'm going to charge my family for Christmas dinner, even my three-year-old grandkids. Everyone has their family traditions that come up during the holiday. But this one mom is taking it to the extreme. The 63-year-old is charging everyone for Christmas dinner. The mom of five and grandma of six is charging adults $18 for the meal. Her 12-year-old and three nine-year-old grandchildren have to pony up about $6. And her three-year-old grandchildren, they're being charged $3. She charges the adult women less because, well, they have families and work part-time. I log into my bank account and check who has made uh, their Christmas dinner payment in November, she says, of her annual tradition. Once my naughty and nice tally is done, I do a quick ring around chasing my delinquent depositors and remind them to meet their payment date by December 1st. Well, the widower and pensioner said her five adult children, aged 37, 34, 32, 29, 24, are all used to getting their um, reminder phone call. I know some will moan and I will get excuses like my uh, pay hasn't gone in or my bank account is frozen or can I leave in another week, but I will eventually receive cash from them all for the meal. Well, Dudridge, that's her name, started charging for Christmas dinner back in 2016. And in a sense, it's become part of her family tradition. Immediate relatives are used to it by now. Some people might think, uh, well, it's harsh to put a levy on meals for kids, but it's an important life lesson. The older grandkids like to try to try and offer to help me earn some of their money back. And I admire that. She says that she spends dozens of hours scouring grocery stores for the cheapest and best deals, especially with the price of groceries skyrocketing this year. Every week, my meal budget buys less and less, so I have to be tactical in buying ingredients to make the dinner for my 12 guests. She said she receives about $1,200 a month in widower's pensions. Her husband passed away in 2015, cutting her expendable income in half. Like many moms and grands who always make Christmas dinner, I couldn't bear the cost of buying all the gifts and paying for the entire meal. I was worried I'd spend the new year paying paying it all up uh, off again. In order to help with a Christmas dinner, she told her kids she was starting a Christmas kitty jar, asking the two boys to put in $2 a week and their daughters $1 a week, but it was hard to get her children to do it. Some weeks everybody paid and other weeks, well, some forgot or didn't have change. It ended up with some of my kids, uh, adult kids, paying more and others paying 
well, little or nothing, there's always bickering. So she ended up getting rid of the jar and instead implemented a set of uh, a set of price uh, fixing to make it fair. But the cost includes custom dishes, as everyone has uh, a say in the menu. The dinner typically includes um, an adult beverage, soft drinks, pudding. Christmas crackers, nuts and cheese, as well as the traditional table decorations. All the children and grandchildren also get a a job when it comes to serving the meal. My plan at least streamlines dinner and ensures everybody has a say and helps out and no one faces post-Christmas money problems. If the dinner guests don't pay on time, they simply are uninvited. I know many people will criticize charging for the Christmas meal, but I'm not bothered, she admits. It's not money grabbing. It's just making budgeting sense and spreads the cost fairly between everybody at the table. The charge covers the family's feast as well as the electricity. Expecting one person to pay for the entire meal and prepare it, clean up, have it uh, their heating and electricity used. Well, it's too much. The amount uh, I charge dinner uh, includes electricity. It's a no brainer for me. It's the only way to go. So if you're looking for a way to underwrite that increasingly expensive um, holiday meal, you might want to charge. Now, I'm in charge of the uh, of the Christmas dinner this year. Okay. I was going to uh, prepare and serve the Thanksgiving meal, but as you may or may not know, I became very ill and wasn't able to do anything. So my sister, graciously, in the middle of a construction project, uh, she and her husband, Dwayne, they set a beautiful Thanksgiving uh, table in their construction zone. We had a great time. So Christmas will fall to me this year, and I look forward to making it. Charging, eh, maybe not yet, maybe some point in the future. But uh, for a, a, a widower, a widow, sounds like a pretty good plan. She has five kids, lots of grandkids to cover the cost. So will you be charging your daughter this year? Yeah, I don't think I'll be charging my daughter, but um, and uh, I don't believe um, that my wife or I are preparing a, a Christmas dinner. I think we're going elsewhere for one, but uh, I, I think in future maybe uh, at least encouraging tipping. Oh, tipping. There you go. I, I think that that's. I might you know, have a tip jar. There's well, a thought. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, that's one of the things that uh, that she should be doing over there. You know, she needs to keep her service level up. So if she wants to do that, gotta gotta bring in the tip system. Bring in a little tip. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one way to uh, avoid having to be uh, in charge of a holiday meal at all. One Michigan mom, she makes hilarious meatloafs resembling her family members. Food Ooh. that looks like family. One meal of that, and you're probably off the hook for the remainder. Well, Melissa Seriano, she said the dinner was a thank you for her son's help around the house. You are what you eat. Well, Melissa Seriano of um, Michigan, she seems to take the phrase to a whole new level after she surprised her son recently with a dinner that was pretty personal. She presented her 17-year-old son, Colin, with a large meatloaf that resembled his face. The mom included shredded cheese for hair. Uh, Green olives for eyes, red peppers for eyebrows, and white onions for teeth. Uh, She told her son, or rather the local news and media, that the personalized dinner was a thank you to her son for the way he helped her around the house when she started a new job. He also uh, helped take care of his younger brother, uh, who has special needs, and organized the family basement, which her mom described as really messy. I wanted to make him happy and made him a meatloaf to show my appreciation for what he does. Now, before it was cooked... It was kind of cute. Once it was cooked, it was kind of pitiful. But if you want to be off the hook for uh, being the host of meals in the future, this might be the way to go. One of these family resemblance uh, meatloafs, you'll never be asked again. No, I wouldn't think so. 
I mean, it's it's one of those things. I'm you know, I always say that I'm able to eat meat and other products because I don't have to look at them while I'm eating. Mm-hmm. This kind of discounts that, even though it's not you know made out of you know it's it's the right types of meat that you would want to eat, not ones you wouldn't. Um, it's still disturbing on a lot of levels. <laughs> well, how do you cut into that? You know. And see, if it was me, of course, immediately, if somebody cut into it, I I would be, you know, uh, you know, going, ow! Probably. You know, because it's just, you know, that that's just my sense of humor and how I roll. Very personal. Yes, very much so. Well, a woman has warned travelers to be mindful when purchasing suitcases from a thrift store after her daughter uh, purchased a bag and it tested positive for explosives. The mom took to TikTok, which I wouldn't recommend, by the way, unless you want to give the Chinese Communist Party all of your personal details, explaining that while on their way to Istanbul, Turkey, her daughter was uh, stopped by security and her bag checked. My daughter gets stopped and scanned as the case says uh, evidence of explosive products for making bombs, which resulted in a 30 minute search and investigation. Well, the shocked woman warned travelers about buying a suitcase from a secondhand store before saying thank you. Thankfully, her daughter made it past security following the investigation and into Istanbul. I was trying to laugh it off, but she was worried. Uh, Her clip uh, had been viewed 383,000 times with fellow uh, users also sharing similar experiences. This happened to me with my daughter's um, pram stroller handles. Uh, Turns out that uh, what's used to keep them in storage Another mom said that her daughter was detained for the same reasons. It worked out to be uh, traces of fertilizer on her body. I had the same when I used my lad's old rucksack or backpack, which he had used to carry fireworks, uh, another traveler uh, wrote. And one woman said her hand luggage also showed evidence of explosives, but it turned out to be the acrylic from her nails. So (laughs) if you don't want to be nailed, you might want to make sure that what you are... um, Carrying with you as you travel, I'm not sure how you even avoid that sort of thing. But I don't either because there was a point where it, um, when we were traveling with our daughter when she was quite little, um, the uh, diaper bag, her diaper bag tested positive for something, um, what, I don't know, some type of thing that you're not supposed to have. I don't know if it was explosives or otherwise. And they went through that thing with a fine-toothed comb. Um, still never no idea what actually triggered it, but uh, there was no way to know that that was going to set off anything. Yeah, it is. Uh, it would be a little bit frightening, but apparently they sorted it out. It just recreated a delay in each one of those cases. Well, the orange stowaway cat that was detected and removed from a wheeled suitcase at John F. Cake um, International Airport in New York was able to enjoy a nice Thanksgiving dinner. A spokesperson for the Transportation Security Administration, or the TSA, Northeast Region, provided an update on how the cat's holiday celebration went days after his rescue. Well, the cat apparently ended up in luggage uh, during the Thanksgiving rush and, well, ended up enjoying the holiday. Smells, that's the name of the cat, uh, who TSA recently rescued from a checked bag at the airport, uh, had a snack... um, uh, was snuck rather into a suitcase in an attempt to fly to Orlando uh, with the animal. In earlier tweets from Tuesday, the 22nd, uh, they noted that Smells the Cat reportedly snuck into an Orlando-bound traveler's luggage, was detected by an X-ray unit that scans checked baggage. 
uh, uh, the traveler who wasn't named lives with the cat's owner, according to TSA. The cat was reportedly sent back home after he was found. Apparently, uh, Smells was planning to chase after a big mouse he heard was running around Disneyland, according to the um, the report. You could see the X-ray where the suitcase went through the TSA, and you could see the, see the cat laying on its side in the X-ray. I'm not sure it would have survived a trip like that if it had made it uh, all the way to the destination. I think that would have cost at least a couple of the nine lives, you'd think. Well, you'd think. I don't know. All right. Well, I think we are out of time. We've got we news and traffic coming here at the top of the hour. Coming up in our second hour, this week's Christian Outlook, most of the conversation focuses on the Respect for Marriage Act recently passed in the Senate and uh, headed to the president's desk. We'll hear from a number of commentators on what it means and what to look out for in the days ahead. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. News and traffic up next. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.